praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's my friend. Aren't you thankful for a friend like Jesus? Man, I've had fair weather friends in life. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. But uh, Jesus is not just a fair weather friend. He's a foul weather friend, too. Praise God. Doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're facing. He's there. He's consistent. And uh, the Bible said in him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And uh, he's just always there. And I'm thankful to know that. I'm not always what I need to be. You're not always what you need to be, but he's always what he needs to be. He's always sufficient. He's always powerful enough. There's days when we feel weak, but he's never got a bad day. He doesn't have the luxury of calling in sick. Amen. He's an on-time, all-the-time God. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles tonight, you would go with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 22. I mean, he loves the word of the Lord. I believe that we are begotten by the word. And we're going to grow and mature into what God wants us to be as we're obedient to the word. And uh, so we need a good understanding, especially in these times we're living in, of the word of the Lord. And uh, never in my life have I appreciated more uh, the Word of God and its stability in our lives and uh, enjoyed the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God and realized the importance of that. Praise God. I don't want to be a Time Magazine preacher, a Newsweek preacher, an Internet preacher. I want some way to be a Word preacher if the Lord help me. Praise God. Genesis chapter 22 and uh, we'll just start right there at the beginning. This particular chapter, and I love preaching and teaching out of the book of Genesis. Uh, to me, it's kind of just foundational, the rest of the word of the Lord. But there's so many truths that are packed in so many ways we could go from this particular chapter. Starting with verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Now I want you to notice in verse 2 it says, the Lord says, I will tell thee of, of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And then in verse 3 he says, God had told him. And then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off, the place God had told him of. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship first place worship's ever mentioned in the word of God come and come again to you that's faith when you consider that God or what God has commanded him to do he's saying we're going to come again I don't know how it's going to happen don't know how it's going to take place but we're coming back 
together. Amen? He said, we're going to come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, or here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, and notice these words, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to a place which God had told him. There's those words again. God spake to him again and told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took a knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Verse 2 said, I will tell thee of. You just keep walking. Verse 3, and God had told, or which God had told him. Verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told told him so he didn't tell him everything right up front it was as he walked it out that he was able to get more specific direction from God and so I want to I want to preach about that tonight and talk about that a little bit I want to talk to you about this subject he will tell you when it's time he will tell you when it's time turn around to somebody and say that he, God will tell you when it's time It's not that God's being secretive. It's not that God is holding back. But there's something that is happening in this process. There's something that is taking place in this particular story that happens in all of our lives. Because at the very beginning, you, you might remember that the Bible said that God was tempting Abraham or God was allowing him to go through a test, as we would say it. Because... Levels of maturity always have to be tested. You can't graduate. We're at the graduation season, but you, there are certain tests and scores and grades that have to be made to go to the next level. And so it is in God. Some of you wonder why am I going through the same trial. That said, well, you've got to pass that test before you can go to the next level. Amen? God doesn't work like uh, modern society and American schools a lot of times, well, we just think, well, we don't want them to grow, grow up and be shaven in the second grade, so we'll just let them go to the third and fourth grade no matter if they learned it or not. That's not how it works with God. God said, I don't care how many seniority whiskers you got, you're going to stay right here until you get this. Amen? I don't want to get caught in a vicious circle. I want God to be able to lead me on to greater things. Praise the Lord. He'll tell you when it's time. Would you lift up your hands with me and let's pray together that God would talk to us here tonight, speak to us in this place. Jesus, we certainly have need of you. We desire the help of your spirit, the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place. We know that without you we can do nothing at all. 
God, I ask you, Lord, to anoint not only me to speak, but these good people to hear and to receive the word of the Lord as it goes forth. I pray it would accomplish what it's set out to do. In Jesus' name, amen. The church say amen. You can be seated. I, like most of you, have been in and around church, uh, or a lot of you here, I could say it that way, have been in and around church uh, the majority of my life, and I have observed that there's two different extremes. This is not everybody. This is just some folks. There's two different extremes that sometimes emerge within a church or a body of people. There are those that come to church just for the aesthetics, just for the beauty, just for the atmosphere, just for the feeling, just for maybe even the uh, liturgical things that happen, uh, the predictability of it, maybe even it's the personality of the minister or because of their love for the music or whatever it is. And if they're absolutely honest about it, these folks they would have to admit that they don't really believe that when they talk to God that He hears them or that He is concerned enough to intervene in the affairs of their life. Uh, coming to church is just kind of good therapy for them, therapeutic. It's solace. It's, uh, they feel the sanctity. They enjoy it. Uh, being in the spiritual atmosphere, they enjoy church services. They enjoy church functions uh, they like to be called or considered to be Christians and more specifically to us uh, like to be called apostolic or Pentecostal they pray and they talk to God but they have trouble believing that God really intervenes or would intervene in their life they don't really believe that God would ever speak to them that he would ever clear his throat and speak directly to them, giving them direction. They don't believe that that really happens. They know how to talk to God. In fact, uh, they do all the talking. When they pray, it's just a monologue. It's not a, a two-way conversation. It's a one-way conversation. They never really expect God to answer or to speak back to them. And That, I realize, is probably only a small group of people, but there is a group of people that live in that extreme view of God. And then on the other side of the spectrum and to the other extreme, and this is probably, we probably have a little more of these folks in Pentecost than, than the other, and that is those folks that, that uh, if you ask them, they would tell you that God is speaking to them all the time. He tells them where to park at the grocery store tells them what brand of spaghetti sauce to buy when they get there. He, he's just talking to them all the time. I mean, if you don't believe it, just ask them. They give you a word of what God has spoken to them about you. And uh, they just, what brand of refrigerator to buy, what kind of color car to buy. God just speaks to them about every little minute detail of life. And that's fascinating, but I really believe that somewhere between the extreme silence of God on one side and the extreme vocal version of God on the other, somewhere in the middle there is balance. Can you say amen? 
And I want to talk about that. I do believe that God speaks. God speaks to people in the 21st century. I don't believe that God has ever quit speaking to people. In fact, I believe that through an anointed preacher, hopefully he's going to speak tonight to somebody's heart. And I believe that predominantly this is where he speaks, as in church services just like this, that God speaks to you through his word. He gives you direction because the word of God is not just something historical. It's not just a book telling us about events uh, concerning God in the past, but it's a book that is alive. Amen. It's real. It's still living today. And it's still effective in this hour. It's not outdated. It has not expired. But it's still effective right now as it's ever been. Do you believe that? And the principles of the Word of God never go out of style. They're still just as powerful. They're still just as true. And they're just as effective now as they were in the days that they were written. Because it's alive. It's inspired by the Spirit of God. I know a lot of times we talk about the author of this book and the author of that book, but I choose to believe uh, that they're more like writers or recorders of those books because the Bible says that this Bible is divinely inspired of God. Praise the Lord. That doesn't mean that the personality, it doesn't mean that the character of the person doesn't bleed through. Uh, maybe their education level, maybe the language, maybe their background, maybe how they was raised bleeds through in the personality of their writing. But the essence of it and the message of it is divinely inspired of God. Praise the Lord. And, and this is why, and I feel like this is something critical to talk about because there's a lot of people that are trying to debase that trying to argue that and trying to give a new perspective on that. But the Word of God, we've got to trust in the Word of God. If you take this out, you've taken the foundation out. If you start changing up the Word of God, there's nothing left. You start extracting the Word of God and uh, there's nothing to lean on. There's nothing to go to. This is the blueprint. This is what everything is built upon. This is the cornerstone, if I could say it that way. Hallelujah. The Word of God, and it's effective. And so I, I believe that God still speaks to folks. God still talks to people. I don't believe it's just all relegated to, to preaching. I believe that God can speak to us. And I want to I talk to you about God being able to, to speak to us. How many wants God to speak to you? How many wants God? You want to be able to hear from God when He is speaking to you. You want to have an ear that is trained. You want to have an ear that can hear you want to have an ear that, that is open to what God is saying. It's not enough for me just to go through life depending on Him speaking to somebody else. It's not enough for me just to go through life and, and uh, guess at what God wants and not really have clear direction in my life as to what God expects of me and what to do next and where to go and what decisions to make because we're all faced and at times come to critical junctures in our life when we need to know with certainty. We need to hear from God. Has anybody ever been there where you needed to hear from God? I mean, you really need to hear from God. You, you couldn't, it wasn't one of those deals where it was multiple choice and probably all of them would have turned out. But you knew if you didn't, if you didn't get direction from God, you was going to be in a whole heap of trouble. I've been there and you've been there. And if you've not been there yet, you will get there. Because it's important that we be able to hear from God. As much as it's important that we be able to talk to Him and know what to say to God and know how to pray. How many knows that that's important? 
It's also important that we know what he's saying to us and that we be able to hear from God. Most folks uh, that don't understand or enjoy prayers because they've never learned how to hear from God and so they see prayer as futile. They see prayer as a vain attempt to get in touch with a holy God that they feel like doesn't have time for them because they've never had any true answers to prayers. They don't see the need of prayer. But I'm going to tell you, once you've ever had a few answers to prayer under your belt, nobody can talk you away from the prayer room. Nobody will have to prod you along to pray. You'll know who to turn to when trouble comes. Amen? And because they, they've never really been able to hear from God, they don't know how to talk to God. Even in the natural sense, generally those that have a speaking problem, it has started with a hearing problem. You know of, of folks that are deaf and mute, but not everybody that's deaf is also mute. Sometimes people that cannot hear can read lips and they can speak and they've learned how to speak, but most of them it's not as clear as you and I because they can't hear how to enunciate their words. They can't even hear their own words that they're saying. And they know how to communicate just enough to get by, but it's not as clear because they have a hearing problem. People that can't hear clearly from God uh, usually uh, or don't know how to speak to God and don't know how to pray us because they also don't know how to hear from God. They, they don't know how to come to church and hear from His Word and get direction from His Word. They don't know how to receive a man from the Word of the Lord, the preaching of the Word of the Lord, the anointing uh, that comes forth. It's foreign to them. They don't know how to hear it. So therefore, when they go into the prayer room, they really don't know how to pray and talk to God and know how to listen and hear from Him. Because they can't hear right, they can't speak right. And that is why in the book of Revelation it didn't say, He that hath a mouth, let him talk. It said, He that hath an ear, let him hear. Amen? What the Spirit is saying to the church. What I'm speaking about, of course, is not the physical ear. But the book of Hebrews, the fifth chapter, explains that we have a whole other set of senses spiritual senses that are different and beyond our physical senses that are only exercised, the Scripture says in Hebrews 5, by reason of use. The writer goes on to explain that these senses are given to discern what is good and what is evil. But if they're not exercised, they're going to be lost. That's why God places us in some situations that he does so that we'll have to exercise these senses that he's given us. Amen. There's no greater teacher of prayer than problems and difficulties and trials. Amen. When you've got to hear from God, you'll figure out how to hear from him. When you need a word from the Lord, you'll find out how to seek a word from God. By reason of use and they're exercised and we can utilize them just as your strength can atrophy if the muscles are not worked out periodically. Or an athlete can you lose his, his acuteness and his ability if he does not practice. It doesn't matter how good he's been in the past. He cannot just lay up somewhere and refuse to practice and to hone his skills or over time he's going to lose that ability. The same is true with our spiritual senses. They have to 
stay active. We've got to keep them active. We've got to spend time utilizing them. Can you say praise the Lord? Excuse the personal illustration, but when we were traveling, uh, there was a period of time towards the end of that that for a few years there, it seemed like uh, that almost every night uh, there were several months where it was almost every night we were in church services, every night preaching somewhere, uh, two revivals at a time, maybe Wednesday through Sunday someplace, and then uh, Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday somewhere else, or maybe Thursday through Sunday, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday somewhere else. And uh, though my throat was sore and my body was uh, weak and, and physically I was wrung out, I noticed something, and that was that my spiritual senses seemed to be more keen than they had been at other times. Why? It's because of reason of use. It was putting them to work. Amen? And that's why it's so important if you want to hear from God that you have a daily prayer life, that you spend time in His presence, that you spend time, amen, in the presence of the Lord absorbing and receiving the Word of God, that you spend time in His Word itself, reading and contemplating. And, and uh, I know that uh, other religions have tried to distort the meaning of this, but the Bible does talk about meditation, meditating on the Word of God. David said that he meditated on it day and night. If you're going to think about anything, if you're going to ponder anything, if you're going to meditate on anything, it ought to be the Word of God. The Word of God should never be that far from our minds. Amen. We've got to absorb it and get it in our heart so that it's almost second nature to us. When crisis comes, we, we, we know that we have a verse of Scripture, a word from God that we can, we can recite from memory, we can go back to, and we can find strength. How many has ever been there when a problem arose that you could, your mind would reflect to a certain passage of Scripture and you could remember that passage of Scripture and it helped you in that time to have courage to go through whatever it was that you were facing? Amen? And so, the Hebrew writer is speaking about spiritual senses. He's talking about a, an ear that is different from this one. Different from the one that you're hearing me speak with tonight. He's talking about an inner ear that is not the ear that you're using to listen to me, but it is the ear of the soul. It's a spiritual thing. It's what Elijah the prophet was referring to when he spoke about a still small voice. It's that little voice that says, don't, don't go there. Don't indulge in that. Don't say that. Or maybe it's pray for that particular person right now. And it may be in the middle of the night that that voice speaks to you. Let me tell you something, and this is just a side note about the voice of God. If you disobey it long enough and you don't heed to it long enough, it'll quit speaking to you. Amen? If you're not sensitive to that and you turn it off, don't expect it to keep coming and speaking to you. If God is nudging you out of that warm bed at night to pray for somebody. He, he, he wants to be able to count upon you that you'll get out of that bed and with a burden and intensity intervene and pray with intercession for that individual that He lays upon your heart. Or maybe... Maybe it's not even a person that he lays upon your heart. It's just a need that is there to pray, and you, you don't even know who you're praying about or for. But the Bible says that spirit 
maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. You don't even know, but the Spirit knows, Paul said, what you're praying about. How many has ever been there? You didn't know. You just felt a heavy burden. You just began to pray. It wasn't maybe even till later that you even was able to recognize what you was praying about. And uh, you just begin to pray and seek the face of God. Maybe you found out later that, that there was a need that it arose uh, in someone's life and it was at that particular time that God dealt with you that you prayed and God was able through the prayers of His people to reach down and to move in that situation. It's critical that we be able to hear the voice of God. Maybe it's the voice of God that calls upon you to reach out to somebody and encourage them. Or maybe pick up the phone and check on them. It's the voice of God, that inner voice. Sometimes I fear that we have so much noise around us all the time that we can't hear from God. I mean, we're living in a generation of cell phones, iPods, MP3 players, headphones, earbuds, all kinds of things involving the Internet. I believe there are times that we just need to unplug from all of that and say, God, I want to hear from you. You need to have a time of prayer that you turn the cell phone off and you unplug from everybody else and say, God, I'm dedicating this particular time and these moments to you because I've got to hear from you. I'm going to tell you, it does us no good if, if, we, if we hear from everybody else and we can't hear from God, then we're not going to know how to answer when, 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 when someone questions and when somebody has a need and they need us to be able to, uh, to, to tell them what God is saying as, as His church and as His people. We're not going to know what to say if we've not been able to hear from God. It's important to hear from God. It's important to have His voice active in our lives. These GPS navigational systems are a phenomenon that's in our cars today. You turn that thing on, uh, dial in where you want to go or tell it where you want to go, and it'll tell you turn by turn. They call it turn by turn navigation. How, how to get where you're going got an address, if you've got a place you're going, if you dial that in, wherever you are, it'll tell you turn by turn how to get there. And what I love about this is even when you make a wrong turn, that thing recalibrates and it tells you to make a U-turn or to turn back and go the other direction again. And sometimes we need God to tell us when we've made a wrong turn. And help us to get back on track and get our direction and our bearings back and get headed the right way again. Aren't you thankful for a God like that? But trouble comes when we start trying to second guess that thing. Maybe you're in an area that you're somewhat familiar with, but not entirely. And that thing says you need to go down this way five miles and back up this road two and then a block in this direction. And you're kind of figuring that out in your mind. You're saying, you know, this road goes down this way, that road goes this way. Honey, I think I know a shortcut. I, I think I can save some time here. I know a better way. I can get there sooner. I can take less time on this trip. That's when you get in trouble, isn't it? 
Y'all don't sit there like you're sanctified and you had never second-guessed or questioned God and said, I think I know a better way than this, God. I, I think I can get this done sooner than this. I, I'm not so sure that it's going to take all this to get the job done, God. How many's ever honestly been there when you've been in that, that situation? You, you thought you knew a better way, but you see, uh, that, that GPS system, it, it's, got a, it's got a perspective you don't have. It sees the lay of the land. It knows things you don't know. It knows down there where you think you can cut across that there's a one-way street going the wrong way, and you ain't going to be able to go up that one-way street. It knows that where you think there ought to be a street cutting through because after all every block has a street but uh, for some reason there's not a road there that navigational system already has calibrated that it already knows that and you can't second guess it you can't second guess God he knows where all the wrong way streets are he knows where all of the he knows where all the roads that's going to lead to your destination are, and He knows the best way to get there, and He knows what's best for you. I said He knows what's best for you. Praise God. And sometimes our shortcuts turn into long cuts. How many has ever said, well, I know, I, I know, you know, that seemed like 50 miles out of the way to go down that way, but you know what? The speed going that direction is, is probably 10, 15 miles an hour faster than going the way that looks like a shortcut. And you get on that two-lane county road, farm-to-market road, and you get behind a log truck, and it's going to slow down your progress. You know, God knows where we... It may seem like it's a long ways out of the way. It may seem like that we could get this done quicker. It may seem like things could go a lot faster. But God knows, and we just got to have faith in Him and continue to walk with Him and stay steady. I said stay steady and be obedient, and God will take us to our desired destination. Can you say praise the Lord? Here in Genesis 22, there's much that we could focus on in this scripture. Like I say, it's just loaded with all kind of mer- uh, metaphors and symbolism. And uh, it all kind of points towards the cross, reflection of the Lord going to the cross here. Uh, we understand that it, even in this latter part of this particular passage, Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice and we see just a little snapshot even back here in the book of Genesis of, of, of Calvary taking place that he's going to provide himself God is going to come robed in human flesh and he's going to provide himself a sacrifice for all humanity and so there's a lot of things that we could talk about here but I want to zone in on something in this text that's equally as important but seldom mentioned God says in verse 2 take now thy son, notice the wording, thy only son. Now we know he had had Ishmael, but this is the only son that God really recognized. Whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. This is where I got a problem. This is where sometimes you've got a problem. Because we are people, I know I am a person that likes details. I don't like surprises. I don't like to be shocked. I don't like to get down the road and find out 
that uh, I was unprepared because I didn't have the details that is needed. If you're going to give me directions, don't give me them country kind of directions. You know what I'm talking about? You go down there, you under a piece, and you drive out there past that round bell, and you start looking for a gravel road. And when you get down there past that faded green house, you look for that gravel road to the right, and you turn there. You go down there, and you count down 20 fence posts and turn left. And ours is the house down there with the car with the own blocks out front. That's where we live. That's not kind of directions that I want. Don't give me those kind of directions. I want to know the road name. I want to know how many red lights we're going to go through, how many roads we're going to cross, if there's a railroad track, if we're going to cross it. I want to know the number of the house. I want you to give me the address. That's the kind of directions I want. I don't want those vague directions. Amen? I like specifics. Give me the address. Give me the details. Give me the directions so there's no surprises. I can be prepared for the trip. But the problem is, is that God doesn't always give us the details. He doesn't always describe how the journey's going to be. He doesn't tell us every move to make. Sometimes it's just the next step that He gives us. Oftentimes it's just... It's just He tells us to do something in faith and we do that until He tells us to do the next thing. And we don't know necessarily when He's going to speak to us about what the next step is going to be. That's why He says you walk by faith and not by sight. All you factual people, if you got too much fact, you can't have enough faith. Amen. It wouldn't be faith if you had all the details. But if you're going to walk with God, the Bible said this is going to be a walk of faith. You're going to have to trust Him. You're going to have to put your hand in His. You're going to have to believe what the Word of God says, that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And He's not going to lead you off track. You may not know what the next step is going to be, but you just take this step. And when you get there, He'll give you the next direction. He'll give you the next step to take. He'll show you which way to go, where to turn. Bible said he's a lamp and thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen? There's a difference between a lamp and a light. You know, you got dim headlights and you got those bright beams that you put out there. Bright beams melt hood ornament on the truck that's coming in your direction if you don't turn them off and those dim beams I mean if you're driving so fast you can outrun them if you're not careful and you can't see the deer that's crossing the road and you can't see the cat that got out well that, that probably wouldn't be such a bad thing you guys are just sitting there too quiet tonight let me work too hard Praise God. But when you drive, and as you're driving, those headlights, they don't show you two miles down the road. But as you're driving, it shows you and opens the road and what direction to take. And it shows you a curve in the road. And it warns you about 
things down, down the path or down the highway that you need to watch out for as your lights shine upon the warning signs that are placed there. And you're able to detect what, what, the, what the next turn is going to be and the next curve in the road is going to be as you drive it out. But you can't sit in your driveway, flip on your lights and say, I want to see where I'm going. It doesn't work like that. You've got to put it in drive, sir, and you've got to drive down the road in the direction and you'll get to your destination sooner or later, but you're only going to see so much of it at a time. And I'm going to tell you, your walk with God is just like that. The Word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You've got to see where the next foot has got to be placed down. It's a lamp unto my feet. I just got to see where the next step is. And then it begins to lighten my path as I go. I can see which direction I need to go. And when I get there, if I follow that, I can find my destination. But I can't sit back here and say, I want all the details. I want you to describe to me everything that's going to happen on the journey. Every, every turn, every curve, everything that's going to happen, every rise in the road, every valley that I'm going to go through, it doesn't happen that way. You've got to walk by faith. But I can tell you this, that He'll never allow you to go through anything, that He will not give you provision to make it through. God will never take you somewhere that He will not keep you through that situation. Through that trouble, through that trial, if he brings you to it, as the old preacher said, he can take you through it. He'll bring you all the way through to the other side. Praise God. Clap your hands and let's praise the Lord together. So, so God, God speaks to Abraham, this, this father that has awaited this son for all these many years. And when he's old and dilapidated and didn't seem possible, he allows he and his wife to have this boy. And then God speaks to him after a, a time, after they've had the joy of having this son, and, and he's got up in his teenage years. And now God is speaking to him, and he says, take him to some place yonder. Doesn't even tell him where, really. And said, I want you, when you get there, I, I'm on, wherever there is, he said, that, then I'm going to tell you, that you're going to give him as a burnt sacrifice, but I don't, I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is. I'm not going to even tell you really how to get there. I'm just going to tell you the direction to go in. You go towards the land of Moriah. You go over there in that land where those mountains are, and, uh, and I'll tell you what you do when you get there. Can you imagine Abraham trying to explain that to Sarah? Because men... Uh, while they may be in the details, uh, you women folk are sure in the details. I'll say praise the Lord, men. Some of you are afraid to say praise the Lord. Sarah, you know that boy that you waited for all your life? God told me to take him somewhere and offer him to God as a burnt sacrifice. Now, you've got to understand the gruesomeness of this burnt sacrifice deal. You slayed the sacrifice, the animal, whatever it is. In this case, it was meant to be Isaac. And the blood is runs down into a pan and it's extracted and taken. And the remnants is burnt to ashes. That was a burnt sacrifice. You can imagine the things that are going through the mind of this mother. And I would imagine that's a pretty hard sell for Abraham. I'm going to take your boy. Don't even know really where we're going. 
what we're doing. Don't have a lot of details. Can't give you all the details. And it seems like the least that God could do was give him some details to explain how this is all going to happen. But you need to remember that when God asks you to go and to do something for him, he doesn't always give you the fine-tuned details that you desire. Because not only is the destination important, but God wants to use the journey to teach us something and to train you to be able to hear from him. And I'm going somewhere with this. You see, I'm just going to jump to the end of my message real quick, and I'm going to tell you that God really wasn't after Abraham's son. God was after Abraham's ear. He wanted to know he was going to listen to him. There's some things I'm wanting to do in your life. There's some places I'm wanting to take you. There's some things I'm wanting to tell you. But I got to know, are you going to listen to me? So I'm going to ask you some hard questions. I'm going to ask you to do some tough things. But I want to know, are you going to be obedient to me when I begin to speak to you? Are you going to be able to hear me? So take thy son to this place that I will tell thee of. Abraham doesn't know the details. He doesn't know the next step. Uh, He just knows that he's got to go in this direction. He doesn't have specifics. He's just simply walking this out by faith. And it sounds like, it sounds like Abraham, by just reading this story in a cursory glance, it sounds like Abraham isn't certain about a lot of things. But he knows, he knows that when God speaks, he he knows enough about God He's already made one mistake in trying to take a shortcut. He's already got off the navigational system, if I could say it that way, one time. And there was, there was a real price to pay for doing so. He said, I'm not going to be disobedient to God again. If God says it, and if God is speaking to me, and if God is trying to tell me something, I'm going to listen to Him. It may be something hard that he's asking me to do and I don't know I know that this is a promised child and I know God is not one to lie I know God if he allows me to slay him he actually believed this you can read it in the New Testament that he believed that though that God would allow if God did allow him to slay that boy that he would raise him up and resurrect him again because this was the promised child he knew he understood I don't know the ways of God and why this is happening but I know that God is going to follow through with his original plan and God doesn't back up. God doesn't change and God has promised me some things that he's going to bring to fruition. I just have to walk it out in the process. Sounds like your situation, doesn't it? You don't know how it's going to turn out. You, you, you really don't know what God is doing, what the details are. You don't know what's coming next. You just know what the next step is. You're just obeying God in the present. You're just trying to do what he's asked you to do now. One thing I've noticed about this particular story is that the provision was made at each step. Abraham took in faith. He didn't know how it was going to happen until that particular step was taken. We like certainty. We like to be secure. We like to have advance notice. We don't like to be caught off guard. But the Bible says our steps are ordered of the Lord. God may not be committed to the details, but He is committed to taking you 
to your destination. He is committed to fulfilling His promise in your life. Your dream, your plan, it may not be God's, but just take another step. So that's what I want to I say here tonight is God will tell you as you walk it out. God will speak to you while you walk. God will show you the direction as you go. He said, I'll tell you when it's time. You, you've been asking, and I've, I've been there asking for details, and I want him to fill in all the blanks. I want him to show me. I, I, don't, I don't like it not knowing. I don't like it not being certain about it, but God says, I'll, I'll show you in time. I'll, I'll tell you when you get there. You just walk it out. And so three times in this passage, God told him, and he, he did this, and then he got down here, and God spoke to him again, and he did that, and, and then he got down there, and just as God told him, he did it. And that's why some folks can't seem to get any direction from God. They, they never see the the true fulfillment of God's will in their life is because they never started doing what God told them to do in the first place. They never had faith to, to take that first initial step because they wanted to know the end from the beginning, but only God knows the end from the beginning. They wanted to be able to look down the path and say, yeah, I can see everything's real clear. I know how it's all going to work out. I know where every curve and every turn and every rise and every valley is in the road, and I can prepare myself for it. But it doesn't work that way with God. And so the only way that you can really get the next command from God and the only way that you can get the next word from God and the only way that God will speak to you again is for you to obey the first time that He spoke to you. And for some, God's still saying what he said 10 years ago. And God's still speaking in the way he spoke to you five years ago because you never obeyed the first time. But if you're willing to step out and you're willing to take that step and you're willing to do what God has asked you to do, then he's going to show you, then he's going to speak to you about what the next step's going to be. Where to go from here. The navigational system doesn't speak all the time. If you had a navigational system that that computer voice spoke nonstop, you'd turn it off. You wouldn't want it. But you start out the driveway, it says go down this road. And it doesn't speak again until you get to where you need to turn. And that's the next time it's going to speak to you. You know, sometimes when you're on a long trip, maybe on a long highway, you'd like that joker to speak to you a few times, just encourage you, you know, tell you you're still on the right track. You're going the right way. But it's not going to speak to you until you get down there to the exit that you need to get off of. And believe me, it will start speaking to you if you miss the exit. But it's going to tell you right up here in about a half a mile, you're going to need to get off this exit. And it starts slowing down. Put on your blinker now and get off at this exit up here. But it doesn't say anything for the last hundred miles that you stay on I-30 going to Dallas. It doesn't say anything because if Dallas is your destination, there's no need for it to say anything else until you get to the exit that you need to get off of. 
And so it is with God. God, you, you think he's got to keep patting you on the back and telling you, hey, hey, you're doing good. You, you got to keep hearing from God every Sunday night. You just got to keep, God's got to keep telling you the same thing over and over and over again. Hey, if he told you, he'll speak to you again if things ever change. Somebody said, well, I guess God, I don't know. Am I still in the will of God? Well, if you're still doing what he told you to do, you're still in the will of God. And if things change, he'll let you know. If things ever change, if there's, if there's ever a need for you to make a turn or, or if you get on the wrong direction, he'll, he'll let you know. That's why you come to church and in faith, you continue to worship God. You continue to be faithful to God. You continue to come to the house of God. You continue to keep your ears open to what God is saying. That's why I wouldn't miss church in, in, just for any old petty reason. I'd want to be in the house of God every opportunity and chance I got because that may be when he says, I need to get off this exit. That may be when he says, I need to go this way that may be when he wants to speak to me about the next step that I'm going to that may be when he wants to speak to me about my spiritual progress that may be when he wants to talk to me about a need in my family that may be when he wants to speak to me clearly about some situation on my job and if I'm not there to hear it uh, I won't be able to receive it and I'll miss it uh, amen and it'll delay my progress in God that's why you need to be faithful to the house of God I know that's not popular nowadays. I know that, that the folks, they just want to miss for any old petty reason. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to be faithful to the house of God because this is where God speaks to us much of the time. Oh, praise the Lord. That thing doesn't say anything in the interim. I want to ask you, how can you endure silence? Or how do you endure silence? Do you get... In those times, I'm going to tell you, there's those folks I was talking about that, man, seem like, you know, they get up every morning and get a fresh word from God. Hey, I'm a preacher. It doesn't happen like that for me. I wish it did. You know what? Usually i got to dig around in the Word of God to get a word from God. Usually i got to, I got to go to the prayer room, and i got to lay before the Lord and pray and seek the face of God. Not every day. Is a red letter day. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes God is just testing. Are you going to keep doing what I told you to do? Are you going to keep walking and being faithful? Are you, are, are you going to keep doing what you what is necessary? Are you going to get off track just because you hadn't heard from me lately? Come on now. Somebody said, "Well, I don't know. I don't, I'm not real certain about it." And I'm going to tell you if God spoke to you back there about the direction and the way and. And, 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 and what you need to be doing, then he's, he's not changed his mind. God's not schizophrenic. God's not insecure about what he's doing. He doesn't back up on his decisions. He doesn't say, well, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't foresee this coming. I didn't see that coming down the road. I'm going to tell you, God knows more than we know. He sees the entire landscape. He knows the direction that we need to go, what, what needs to happen, how it needs to take place. And when God speaks to us, we can be certain that we're headed in the right direction. challenge is is just stay in the course God doesn't speak to our insecurities God doesn't always speak to us when we on demand when we want him to but God normally speaks to us at pivotal times or points in our lives and the challenge is are you listening when he starts speaking 
This is why every church service is important. Amen. When he looked, the scripture says, and he saw afar off, he said, that's it. How do you know that's it, Abraham? He said, I know it. How do you know it? I just know it. He had that inner ear. He knew how to hear from God. He said, I don't know how I know, but I know. It's like that lady that's shopping, and that sales clerk comes up and says, Ma'am, can I help you with something? She said, No, I'm just looking. You know what that means? That means leave me alone. But that sales clerk is persistent. He says, Well, do you know what I you know, you know what you're looking for? I can maybe help you with it. I said, Well, I, I don't know, but when I see it, I'll know. Amen. I mean, you ladies know what I'm talking about. When you, when you see that dress or that outfit or that whatever, that purse, you, you know then, I mean, you know then suddenly it's all coming together. You don't know exactly what it is you're looking for, but when you see it, you'll know. And when Abraham looked over there, he said, I just know that that's what God wants. I just know that that's what, that's, that's being in tune with God is when, when, when you see it, you know. When you feel it, you know. When you're in the church service, you know. When, when the preacher's preaching, you know. He's not just preaching to anybody. He's speaking to me. I've been praying about this. I've been talking to God about this. I've been, I've been seeking the Lord about this. Confirms something in my life. I know. How do you know? I don't know, but I just know because I got it. I can't explain it to you because it's not something that can be explained. It's not physical. It's not in the carnal realm. It's not, it's supernatural. God is speaking to me. It's something that I've trained. It's a, a voice that I can hear. It's not audible necessarily, but it is impressionable. And I can feel that this is right. And so when the job offer is made, you don't know by everything you've read and everything you've studied and everything you've found out about the job, but you just know. You just know this is right. Or you just know I shouldn't, even though all the opportunities look good, you just know this isn't right. This isn't right for my family. This isn't right for me. This isn't right for my spiritual well-being. When the promotion comes, you may feel, hey, this is the right thing to do. And other times you may feel like it's the wrong thing to do. How do you know? I mean, this looks like two more bucks an hour. I mean, it looks like physically the right thing to do. But you just know because God knows what's going to happen down the way. Amen? Because not every opportunity is a good opportunity. Not every situation is always a good situation. Amen? And so you've got to be able to hear from God. Amen? That's why sometimes parents have got knowers that kids don't have. I don't know how else to say that. And they're not in here right now, just the little ones. But, you know, we got knowers that they don't have sometimes. We know. We, don't, we can't explain how we know. We just know. I just know that ain't good. I just know that isn't the best decision. I just know that isn't the direction you ought to take. I just know that isn't, that isn't what you ought to do. Come on, how many of you parents have ever been there? You, the, the kids ain't watching. You just know. You can't even explain how you know, but you know because God has been speaking to you, feeling an impression. You, this, this isn't right. This isn't the direction that you need to take. This isn't what you ought to do. 
You just know. And Abraham, when he saw it, he said, I know. He said, you guys stay here. I'm going to tell you, when you go to a place of consecration, you can't take everybody. I said, not everybody's interested in going there with you. So if you're going to go to a place of consecration, you can't be afraid to step out of the crowd. You can't be afraid to step out of the way of your contemporaries and go to a place that, uh, that you've never been before and say, you know what, you may stay here, but me and the lad, we're going yonder to worship. Now, worship was something that had never really happened up until this point. This is the first time that it's mentioned in the Scripture, the first place that the word worship is ever used. So this is, this is getting into deep consecration here. This is a place that Abraham has never really been in his relationship with God. And he realizes immediately, I can't take everybody in my world. I can't take my whole entourage and take them up there to that place of worship. They can't all get there. They're going to burden me down. I'm going to tell you, you've got to be willing to separate from some things if you're going to consecrate yourself to God. You've got to be willing to cut some things loose that might be a burden to you and a weight to you if you're going to consecrate yourself to God. If you're going to be what God wants you to be, you can't take Johnny and Billy and everybody else with you. You've got to be willing to go there if necessary all by yourself. mean any John is here tonight I'm not talking about you you always got to watch these names sometimes I think I'm pulling one out of thin air and then I remember there's somebody here named that praise God but you got to be willing to consecrate yourself and to go he said you fellas stay here we're going yonder to worship and his son looked at him and said, Daddy, I see the fire. Now they carried the fire in a container like live coals. It wasn't like matches or anything back then. Didn't have a, didn't have a lighter. They carried that fire in that container. And then he said, I see that you got the wood to build the altar and to make the, the fire for the burnt sacrifice. I see all that. But he said, where's the sacrifice itself? And he turned to him in faith. And he said, you know what? I hadn't walked this, this part out yet. But I got faith in my God. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He said, I'm believing. I'm believing that God will provide himself a sacrifice. And so while they're trudging up the mountain going this way, Isaac and his father Abraham, there's a ram that's coming up the other side of this mountain. And right when it's needed, right at the right time. Amen. When, when Abraham stretches forth and his son's on that altar and he stretches forth his hand to plunge it down into the chest of that boy that he loves so dearly with every intention of doing I don't believe that he got to this point when he didn't have intention to follow through. He really didn't know how it was all going to work out. But the Lord, the Bible said, stayed his hand. And there was a voice of God that came out of the heavens and said, now I know. Don't, don't, don't harm. Don't stretch forth your hand to harm your son. Now I know. God spoke to him. It seemed like at the very last moment, God gave him a word. It seemed like at the very last second, right before he was fixing to take the life of his son, right before he was fixing to, to plunge that knife down in the chest of that boy, God spoke to him. I wonder. Had Abraham not been able to hear the voice of God then, he could have heard the voice of God all the way up to that point. But if he had not heard the voice of God then, 
what would have happened. I'm going to tell you, you never get to a place that you can't have your ears open and your ear trained. You never get to the place that you could slack off and say, you know what? Uh, man, I've been going to church and I've been around the things of God. I've, I'm an old timer. I'm a veteran at this thing. I've been in the church for years. I, I've heard all the preaching. I've heard all the messages. I know the Bible's backwards and forward. Matter of fact, I've won one of those little certificates that they give out down there for the last 25 years where I've read my Bible through. I know everything. I probably know more than that preacher knows. But, but you never get to the place that you don't need a fresh word from God because if Abraham had not got a fresh word from God, he would have killed his future. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to have a future, you better be able to hear from God now. I said, if you want to have a future, you better know what God wants you to do at this moment. You better know what move to make at this particular time. Don't, 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 don't get to the place that you say, you know, I don't need, I don't need no preaching. I don't need no voice from God. I don't need no, I don't need to get in the presence of the Lord. I've done that all my life. I, I can just lay out and I can be whatever I want to be. I can come to church whenever I want to. No, 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 no. You need a fresh word from God at this moment because it may be that it's a critical juncture and pivotal point in your life. And if you don't hear from God now, it may be, mean that you make a critical mistake in your life that's why it's imperative that you be able to hear from God right now hallelujah let's stand to our feet the Bible says not only God stay his hand he said lift up your eyes and look over there he said I've already got a ram that's caught up in the thicket he's waiting on you in other words I've made provision I've made a way for you to give a sacrifice and to worship me I'm going to fulfill my plan here I didn't send you up here just to go through a ritual you are really going to worship me. This is not going to be the way you thought. Can I tell somebody in this place tonight that if you'll just keep walking with God, He'll tell you what He wants you to know in that time. When you get to where it is and the GPS says turn, God will show you. Don't frustrate yourself. Don't frustrate everybody around you. My God, don't frustrate your family. Just keep walking with God. Keep doing the will of God. Keep coming to church. Keep being faithful. Keep going to the prayer room. Keep worshiping. Amen. Keep giving and, and doing what's right. Being faithful to God. And God, in due time, He's going to show you what, what He wants you to do. What the next step is going to be. Don't try to get ahead of God because you He's a light into your path and a lamp, a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And you just got to walk it out. You got to walk this thing by faith. God will speak to you. And God will talk to you as long as you keep the course. Let's lift up our hands to God and give Him praise right now. Come on, let's love the Lord together right now. I hope we've helped somebody here tonight. I hope we've helped somebody here tonight. God, tune our spiritual senses, our spiritual hearing. God, to be able to hear, to be able to know. God, to be able to have that sense 
knowing that this is from you and this is not of you, to discern, as the Scripture says, between good and evil. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you clap your hands to him and give him praise? God bless you tonight. Let's remember uh, the events of this weekend, Outreach Saturday. Let's also remember, uh, pray for our graduates uh, this Friday night. Many of them are graduating, and there's some of them that are almost simultaneously. We're going to do our best, but you understand a lot of these things are going on at the same time. And let's let's remember our graduates this weekend. Bring something. Uh, there will be tables set up over here for them, and you can bring a card and uh, a gift for them over there. And uh, I'm sure they'll be appreciative. And there's quite a number of them, I understand, but uh, this is a great accomplishment in their life, and we want to celebrate with them. God bless you in Jesus' name. Bring somebody to the house of the Lord this Sunday.